The following program is brought to you by the 511 Media Group. This program is available on iTunes, Spotify, the 511 Media Group YouTube channel, and 511mediagroup.com. Welcome back to Go Start It. This is the podcast that uh, helps entrepreneurs start and operate a small business. My name is Richard Anderson. I'm your host, and I'm here to help that small business or individual who's started a small business and needs honest advice and guidance to grow their business. In our last episode, we detailed the first steps in starting a small business. What types of business did you want to start? Is it something you love? Is it something you're passionate about? Something you can bring value to? Because if it's not something you can bring value to, you won't be happy in the long run. Seems like it will be more of a job than an extension of your ambition. What do you call the business? Is it something that resonates with you? Something that could be branded? Is it unique? Is it memorable? Or is it similar to other businesses out there and it'll just be forgettable? You've written a business plan. It doesn't have to be anything incredibly detailed. Just make an outline something that you can put into words how you plan to operate your business. You've contacted your local, state, and federal government agencies, and you've set up your business legally. Now, we didn't spend a lot of time on this in our last episode, so let's dissect this point just a little bit. So let's say you have a brick-and-mortar business. You're going to want to make sure that you comply with your local city and county business license and permit requirements, and at minimum, you need to make sure that you're registered with your state. This will require you to list whether you operate as an LLC or a corporation. We talked about that in our last episode. For example, most of my companies are S-corporations. We enjoy a certain tax benefit for that. And so that filing made sense for us. I also have a LLC with a business partner. Uh, we're going to talk about partnerships and LLC and LLCs in a future episode, so we won't spend much time on that here, other than to say, make sure that you know what you're going to set up and register with the state. Registering, uh, registering with your state also puts you on the radar, but most importantly, it gives you legal standing in your state. Now, the average cost in my state varies, but you know, depending upon your business, it could cost you between $250 and $1,500 to register your, your business with the state, depending on how you choose to file, but um, it's cost of doing business. Again, these are your dollars. You're going to be investing them. It has to make sense for you, but you want to do it the right way and start off on the right foot. Contact the IRS and apply for an uh, employer identification number. It's an EIN number. Again, you'll be on their radar once you apply, but it's the right way to set up your business. The process is super simple, and you can do it online. Uh, Once you've done all that, you've contacted an insurance agent, maybe two, asked for quotes, uh, not only for business insurance, maybe even commercial vehicle insurance, specific to your business needs. Keep in mind, as we pointed out in the last episode, these expenses are being self-funded. So until you start growing your business and collecting revenue, it's all on you or however you've chose to fund your business. And you've taken the important step of researching your customer base and also researching your competition. Don't skip this step as it will pay off when you start to market your business. It's important. Do you have a budget? Did you determine if you're going to self-fund, take out a loan, 
carry the business on credit. Loans and credit in the initial stages, in my opinion, should be avoided at all costs. But these are very important decisions. Also, do you need a partner, an equity partner? All those decisions you must start making before your business is put into place. And once you have all of that in place, now you're ready to start branding and marketing your advertising and advertising rather uh, your business. So we were going to talk about branding and advertising and marketing in this uh, in this episode. So for a new business starting out, there are several options available to you for marketing and promoting your business. And for this topic, let's just use a hypothetical business and outline some of the various op- uh, options that they can utilize for their for their business. So let's say you have a business that's a handyman business. It's a service-based business. Let's say the business serves both residential and commercial customers. So it's a business that's both B2C and B2B. And for this example, let's say the operator is a female and she spent 15 years working in a maintenance company, uh, honing her skills, learning her trade, um, figuring out uh, which way... um, she should make a repair versus another way, which is the right way, which is the wrong way. She's, she's learned all that over 15 years, and now she's ready to go out on her own. Her first option should be marketing on Facebook. Why? Because it's the largest platform for her customer base, which is probably going to be those homeowners or people in their late 20s, early 30s to 70s, 80s. And... It's virtually free, so she's going to start creating by getting a business page. She's going to share that page with her Facebook friends. Let's just assume she has a Facebook page already. So her Facebook friends, her family members, and next, she's going to need content. Content is king on social media. So the best way to get get contacts initially or um, content initially is to ask her friends and family if she can fix a few items around their home or their business. And the important thing is to take before and after pictures. And once she's done that, then she can ask them for a testimonial. Testimonials are very powerful. They're a very powerful form of motivation for the consumer. Any potential customer out there is going to want to feel like they're making an informed decision. So reading a testimonial or watching a video testimonial, even better, is going to install confidence in that potential customer that this handyman quality knows what they're doing, or handyman company knows what they're doing, uh, is a quality company, and they can be trusted. In addition to these posts, she should be creating educational content, how-to articles, helpful homeowner tips, like when to change a filter or what light bulbs to use, maybe upgrading an outlet. Okay, Richard, but... She's going to be telling these potential customers how to do the repairs themselves. Well, it's true. And she may not get the business from those people who can make the repairs themselves. But ask yourself, wouldn't these people have gone to the YouTube channel or Facebook anyway to look for the very information that she's giving them for free? She's creating value. And the potential customers that she's really targeting are those that have no time to make the repairs or those who are unable to make the repairs themselves. So then she creates a library of photos and videos on her page. And look, all you need is a smartphone these days, right? To make 
good quality videos, take good quality photos. She can even have a friend help her one day while she makes these repairs. The friend can take still shots, photos, and videos of the repair, and then she posts them on Facebook. She then goes to her Facebook friends and her family, and she asks them to share those posts. She's going to need to make a lot of contact uh, content. Why? Well, only about 10% of your followers actually see your content every day. And it's not always the same followers. So 10% see it, not always the same followers every day. So based on the algorithms that they have on social media platforms, what do you need to do? Create a lot of content. Get on multiple platforms. So next, this entrepreneur needs to go to LinkedIn because we're doing both residential and commercial. And posting the same content that's been on to, posted onto Facebook, onto LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn rather, will draw those commercial customers in. In fact, she can target market those posts to a certain type of business. So in her business, she's probably going to be looking for property managers who might be looking for a handyman service. She can also post to Instagram. That's another avenue to post her content. Again, break up the Facebook content that you've already created, put it into smaller pieces, post multiple pieces on Instagram, then to get those followers viewing her content. Another social media platform is TikTok. She can use that to yield a bigger return, uh, not just um, of potential customers, but on her time. Time is important. As a business owner, you have to value your time, plan your time, budget your time. But if she spends time on that, she can then cross-promote her TikTok content onto her Instagram platform or vice versa. Now, TikTok's probably one of the hottest social media platforms today. And many of the videos are viewed thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times. So you never know where your next, gonna, your next customer is going to come from. Um, or who's going to find your content. The average number of content that you should be creating across all platforms on a daily basis is probably eight to 10 pieces of content on average. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, each of those could get two or more pieces per day. The more content that your followers or the general public or potential clients consume, uh, and the more that's shared by your followers, the greater chance that she's going to receive, see results and you're going to receive, uh, see results in a very short amount of time. Now, one of the cheapest and most effective ways to grow your business outside of social media is to join a referral networking group. And these groups usually only allow one business per category. So one plumber, one real estate agent, one uh, mortgage broker, one florist, one flooring person, one HVAC person, etc. But the handyman category is a very highly sought out category and rarely does every group have one. Uh, so many groups have that category unfilled. Why? Most small business operators are the sole employees of their company. So a, week, a weekly networking meeting takes roughly 90 minutes of your time. That means you're going to be away from your rev revenue generating clients for about two hours that day. And many business owners who are just starting out or have that size company don't feel that they can give up that time as they need to generate revenue. But I would contend that that's short-sighted thinking. 
because these referral groups can provide countless leads that will help you grow your business. So let's say she joins a networking group that has 15 members. That's 15 salespeople making sales calls to their clients. And then when the opportunity arises, they'll recommend her handyman service to those clients. And then she can easily walk out of each weekly meeting with two to three leads. And that's two to three clients that she didn't have to go out and generate on her own. And the best part of the referrals is that they were giving, given to the client by a trusted contractor who's now already vouched for her and her reliability. I not only belong to a referral networking group, but I've also placed my employees in other networking groups to widen the coverage area, but more importantly, increase the number of referral partners that are recommending my business on a weekly basis. Now, most times there's a cost to join these groups. I'd say the average cost is between $250 and $500 a year to join. But consider that most of these groups meet 48 times a year. They usually take off Christmas and New Year's weeks. Um, and using the higher end of that range, maybe $500 a year, the cost of the group is roughly a little over $10 a week. Can you generate two to three new clients a week for $10? Probably doubtful. But all this social media posting and referral networking group is for, networking group is for nothing if you don't do the following two things. One, you have a quality product or service. You're not going to get very far without being good at what you do, which is another reason I said in the beginning in episode one, you must love what you do. And two, you need a brand that stands out in a crowd. My personal belief is that a small business owner should invest in a good logo and a good slogan. Some companies don't have slogans, so make sure the logo is good. Something that catches the eye and a slogan that's memorable. They need to design their company's brand around marketing that has recognize, uh, recognizability and something that people can relate to and know that their logo and or name stands for quality. Now, I've branded every one of my companies. My clients know that when they see one of my company logos, that logo stands for quality service. They know they're going to get the best possible service that money can buy. It's why my referral partners and my customers refer my companies and why we operate mainly on the word of mouth through social media exposure and at little to no cost. You see, when you have a smart branding plan, you look successful right off the bat. You look like your company is highly successful. Even if you're just starting out, you look successful. And you combine that with the social media exposure and the referral networking and the potential clients will be very comfortable hiring your service. You see, it's, for me, purely psycholo uh, psychological, and it works. The psychology is if the client sees something that's successful and something that works and it's all over the place, how could I not hire that service? Everyone's recommending it. In our next episode, we're going to talk about discussing uh, delivering a quality product or service, what works, what doesn't work, how to set up your small business, to succeed, even if it means making less in the short term and making more money in the long run. Until then, go start it.